love it. I love it. And I don't know about you, but I, again, every week I'm just praying, Lord, I don't, I don't want to just show up and just have church. Just go through the motions. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I believe as our team has just led us, man, that he is here and he's speaking to us. And we're going to open his word and see what he has to say there. So if you got your Bibles, let you go ahead and grab those. We'll be in Revelation. So if you don't know where that's at, it's at the very back of the book. And then turn left. We're in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read a few verses together. We're talking about the church in Philadelphia. And I ain't talking about up in Philly, all right? I'm talking about a different place. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, but what we're going to be is in chapter 3, verse number 7. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up here in this giant screen behind me. But Revelation chapter 3, I know we've already sung about God and to God and because of Him. Come on, is anybody ready for the Word of God right now? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here's what the Bible says, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Write this letter to the angels of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. That's the one we're just singing about, right? The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. And I know all the things that you do. And I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength. Yet even in the middle of little strength, you obeyed me, my word, and did not deny me. Look, somebody say, look. I'll force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They'll acknowledge that you are the ones that I love. And because you've obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who truly belong uh, uh, to this world. I am coming soon. Come on, somebody. That's a good word right there in verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold on. Somebody shout, hold on. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I'll write them, uh, write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. I know that's a lot to read, a lot of words in there, but we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and all of us that can hear from Him today and He would share exactly what I need to hear, what you need to hear as we open His Word and talk about it today, alright? So come on, let's pray one more time. Jesus, we honor You. Holy Spirit, we invite You in this place. Do what only You can do. In Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said a good amen, amen. Why don't you high-five your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you made it to church today and you can have a seat. You can have a seat awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we're so glad you're here. So thankful for you. Uh, thank you for worshiping today. I love that so much. And man, we're going to be jumping into Revelation chapter 3 in a second. Before we get there, though, I want to talk about what's coming up in August. I know we shared a little bit earlier about 21 days of prayer and fasting, but I'll just tell you, August is jam full of a lot of great stuff that's happening at Purpose Church. And I just want to let you know about August 6th. That's the day we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting. And guess what? That is also a PK Takeover Sunday. Come on, somebody. And so, 
coming up in just a few weeks, they're going to take over this entire place. And here's my thing. I want to honor them. I want y'all to show up. We're going to worship. They're going to be leading us in that. It's going to be an incredible time. Do not miss August the 6th. It is going to be a great day. Tell everybody you know to come that day because we want to just honestly just show you exactly what our purpose kids are actually experiencing on the backside of these walls every single Sunday. And so I'm excited about that. I cannot wait for that. And then another thing in August, not only men's night, but then we got purpose youth vibe night. Come on, somebody. So if you got a 6th through 12th grader, they need to be in the building on August the 16th. They need to be here. It'll be a great night. It's going to be fantastic. We got giveaways, like over $500 cash giveaway. It's going to be great. We got, we got all kinds of stuff happening after worship. It's going to be a great night for your student to be in the building. So get them here. But I'm just excited about what God is doing, what God has done this summer. Has anybody enjoyed this series so far? Seven. Anybody? About six of us. All right, good. Seven of us. Okay, good, good, good. It's been fun actually looking through the book of Revelation. So again, uh, we've been looking at this book where Jesus is writing to the churches in Asia Minor, and he's writing to them, and he's letting them know, hey, I see what's going on. I know what's happening in your church, and I got some stuff I want to tell you about. And I only want you to know that it doesn't. Just, he didn't just write these letters to the churches back then, just uh, thousands of years ago, but these actually mean something to us today. And we've looked at over the last couple weeks a couple of different ones. Today, we're going to be looking at this church uh, in Philadelphia, in actually West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spend most of my days. <laughs> Shooting some b-ball upside of school and a couple of guys, they were up to no good. Started. I got one little fight, my mom got scared. Okay, all right, all right, all right, yeah. That's the church we're talking about today, all right? That's all the people that didn't, uh, that, that, that uh, y'all, y'all, y'all a wild bunch right there. I like that. I like it. I like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I love that show. It's a good one. Uh, but we're not talking about that Philadelphia today. We're talking about a different Philadelphia today. Uh, and literally one that we'll talk about uh, that Jesus writes this letter to. And it's in Asia Minor. And literally Philadelphia comes from two Greek words, phileo, which means love, and Adelphius, which means the brother. And so we have this Philadelphia, this city of brotherly love. We see that that is actually what the city in America is called, the city of brotherly love. But I also want you to see that that's the name of this, uh, this city that happened to be in Asia Minor. So again, we've talked about a few churches that have been in some influential cities from Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamum to Thyatira to Sardis. And now this week we're talking about Philadelphia. And Philadelphia literally was founded by some of the citizens at the other city known as Pergamum, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. But really what Philadelphia was was like the gateway. It was the connector, uh, the connecting city. Like if you wanted to go to any other city, you had to go through Philly to get there. You had to go through Philadelphia to get there. So uh, what was happening during this time in the church was that there was all kinds of earthquakes that are taking place and people are losing their mind. They don't know how to react. They don't know, like they're thinking, okay, if I'm in the building and an earthquake goes off, these pillars are going to fall and they're going to crush us. So they're living in a lot of fear. They're looking around being like, what am I supposed to do? And yet in the middle of that, Jesus writes them an encouraging letter. In the middle of it, Jesus writes them, and this is one of the things that we've done every week, but I kind of want to throw it out there, that the church at Philadelphia, we kind of give a, a, a tagline for each church. So I want you to write this down, because note takers are history makers, right? The, the, the fact is that the church at Philadelphia was a persevering church. 
He was a persevering church. I love that a whole bunch because you got to understand that in Philadelphia, the city at this time, like Christians were a minority. Like they, they, weren't the, they weren't the majority. There's all this pressure that's coming at them from the secular culture and even from the Jewish culture, like people that thought, okay, hey, no, 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 God can never use them. He's only called us. He only wants to use us. Like they're getting it from all sides. And what's happening is they are persevering in the middle of it. And I love how Jesus starts out the letter in verse number seven addressing this particular church. He says, this is the message from the one who is holy and and true, and the one who has the key of David. See, I love that so much. We'll talk about it for a second because I love that Jesus understands that a church that is feeling pressure from the outside world, and he just reminds them, hey, listen, don't worry about them. Just look at me, right? I'm, I'm the one that's holy and true. I know there are going to be some people who come to you and say you're not this and you're not that, but I am the only one who has the power to save heal, forgive, redeem, repurpose, set free. And this is what Jesus, I think, would say to you and me as well, is don't take your eyes off of me. He's saying that to the church of Philadelphia. So I want you to write that down. Don't take your eyes off me. This is coming from Jesus. Jesus would say that. I'm the Holy One. I'm starting out this letter to you, letting you know, hey, hey, you need to keep your eyes on me. I'm the flawless one. I'm the one that's perfect. I am true north. You, you want to know what truth is? I'm it. I, I'll never lie to you. I'll never lead you off path. I am the perfect standard for your life. And as long as you keep your eyes fixed and focused on me, you're going to be okay. And I think that's what Jesus would encourage all of us today as well. And again, this theme is a theme that runs all throughout the Bible. One of my favorite characters that we talked about literally in the Bible, we did a whole series on him, just got done with it, was this guy by the name of Peter. How many of y'all ever heard of Peter? Anybody out there, wave at me if you do. Wave you around like you just do care. Come on, somebody. All right, good. So you remember this guy named Peter? Peter was what I like to call the cussing disciple, right? Like, so Peter was this guy that, that literally, man, he, he had lots of faith in a moment, and in another moment, he's willing to back up and not do anything for Jesus, willing to deny Jesus. I got to thinking about that time that Peter was walking on water. Y'all remember that time? Remember that time where he's walking on water? What happens is, again, the, the disciples are out in the middle of a lake, and they're out there in the middle of, of all of this storm, and the storm blows in, comes in right in the middle of it. They're freaking out. Again, a lot of these guys are professional fishermen. So, like, this had to be a bad storm if these dudes is freaking out. Y'all ever seen Deadliest Catch? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? This means yes in Kentucky. Come on, y'all ever seen that? Yeah, like, like imagine that, but in a little boat, okay? And like this storm happens, and they're all freaking out. And guess what? All of a sudden, Jesus starts walking on the water, and we see Jesus coming out there. And the Bible says all the guys on the boat thought Jesus was Patrick Swayze, right? They thought he was a ghost. Come on, that's for the old people in the room, Patrick Swayze, and go, okay. It's for my older, older fam in the room, okay? Right? They thought he, he's walking on water. They're freaking out. But yet Peter, in the middle of the storm, looks out and recognizes that it's Jesus. And he says, hey, Jesus. And Jesus Jesus, is like, hey, yeah, that's me. And he's like, hey, if that's really you, tell me to come to you. Tell me to walk on water. What does Peter do? He steps out of the boat. He starts walking on the water. You know what I'm talking about? He's starting to walk. He's doing his thing. And what happens is, is what we see in Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. Watch what it says. But when he did what? When he did what? He saw. When he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. 
Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Excuse me. And I want us just to remind all of us today that, again, I think if Jesus could share something to us, could share something to the church in Philadelphia that's persevering, is, hey, don't take your eyes off of me. Don't, don't, don't look at the wind and the waves that are around you. Don't look at the circumstances that may be around you because I'm the one who is holy and true. And he goes on to say, and, and the writer of Hebrews writes it like this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How are we going to keep doing that? How are we going to keep going when life is hard? How are we going to keep going when we got little strength? How are we going to keep going when we hit the wall, so to speak, in our life? You know how? It's right here. We do this. Why? How? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're never going to lose our way. We'll never sink. We'll not falter. We'll not fret. We'll not fear. And no matter what the storms of life may be around us, our eyes are fixed and focused on the one who formed the world with the one word and the one who made the world in the heavens and set it on its axis. And I'm going to be okay as long as I stay focused on Jesus. But the moment I take my eyes off of Jesus, the scarier the world around me looks than it really actually is. Right? The moment I take my eyes off of Jesus, the opposition looks bigger than it really is. The moment I take my eyes off of Jesus, the crowd seemingly becomes louder and louder than it actually is. And the moment I start to take my eyes off Jesus, the outcome seems worse than it really might be. And what Jesus is saying to this persevering church is you got to keep your eyes on me because I got you. I brought you this far. I didn't do that to leave you here on your own or without me. I'm going to see you through this. And Jesus had that promise to this church. He's got big promises for them in the future. But before he gets there, I love the fact that he's reminding them, hey, I want you to know who I am. Before I take you to where you're going, you need to be reminded of who I am. I am the one and true holy one. He starts there. This is the message from the holy, the, the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. We'll come back to that in just a second. He says this, what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. In verse 8, he says, I know all the things that you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one else can close, that you have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. And every time that we've read that over the last couple of weeks, how many of us, when we say that, I know all the things that you do, how many of us freak out a little bit when we say that? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Like, ooh, woo, I didn't, I, I wish he didn't know all the things that I wish he didn't know. Come on, somebody. Is that just me or is that everybody? I think all of us are there, right? Well, I think we all can experience that. But how, uh, again, what I want to point out right here in this scripture is, yes, he knows those things. Yes, he recognizes those things. Yes, he realizes those things. But what I want to point out is that when Jesus says, I know all the things that you do, he's also acknowledging the pressure that all of these people are under. He's also acknowledging what the pressure that they're feeling around them. And he's, he's also acknowledging the fact that I know the sleepless nights that you may have had. I, I know the anxiety that you feel on you right now. I, I know the prayers that you have prayed that you may feel are unanswered. 
I know the tears that you have cried in your pillow every single night. I know that. I know the insecurity that is in your heart. I know what you're going through. I know how weak you are. I know how little strength you may have. But watch this. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. And I'm reminded, as he says, I have opened a door for you that no one can close. I'm reminded of what he said, Jesus said, in John 10, verse 9. He says, yes, I am the gate, or I am the door. Really, if you want to just translate that word gate, it can be also door. Those who come in through me will be saved. This is what I know that Jesus is saying. I know how weak you are, but I have opened a door for you to step into my presence where there is fullness of joy, where there's perfect and overwhelming peace, where there's all the strength that you need, enough faith for a lifetime. I've opened this door so that anytime you want to enter into my presence, you can. I know you can't on your own, but I can. And nobody can come between me and you. And I believe that's what Jesus is saying to them. And Jesus has this master key is what I like to call it. And because of him, we have access to the kingdom of God, that we have access to relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. And he even references right there, I'm the one who has the key of David, right? Keep that, you're probably thinking, what in the world is that? Well, actually what Jesus is uh, kind of speaking on is using imagery that Jesus is referring to in the Older Testament of something that took place. And David was a king. We've talked about David many times before. But in David's kingdom, there was a guy, a person in the kingdom that would allow, had a, had a master key that would allow people into or keep them out of King David's presence. And there was an authority that that servant had that nobody else had. And so we see in Isaiah 22, verse 22, it's, this is literally what Jesus is kind of referring to. I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. And when he opens a door, watch what he says, no one will be able to close it. And when he closes a door, no one will be able to open it. And I just got to thinking, you know what Jesus is saying? Hey, you know what I am? I'm that guy. Like That's what Jesus is saying. I, I, I'm him. Like nobody's going to keep you out of my presence because I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth and I'm welcoming you and I've made a way for you and I have an open door for you that nobody can close. And I got to thinking about it. Don't waste your time trying to open a door. I want, I want to talk about this idea of a door real quick because I, I think a lot of us waste a lot of our life trying to open a door that God has closed. And I want you to write this down. If God closes a door... This is just what Scripture said. Nobody can open it, but if God opens a door, nobody can close it. I want you to write that down. I want you to kind of take that to heart really quick because one of the most merciful things that God can do for you and I sometimes is to close a door that we're not supposed to walk through. We're not supposed to. I, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of want to know what's next in my life. Anybody else out there? Okay, like, like I, I want to know, okay, God, like, I need to know what's happening. Like, what's behind door number one, Lord? Come on, somebody, right? Like, what's behind where I'm supposed what, what am I supposed to do next? Where am I supposed to go next? What door am I supposed to take now? But sometimes God keeps us safe by showing us his plan for our life rather than the plan that we had for our own lives. And I wonder how long it's been since you have praised God for a closed door in your life. 
I wonder how long it's been since you have had, a, had, that, had that opportunity where you thought it was going to be something that you needed, and yet it was a door that was closed in front of you. And you didn't get that job. You didn't get that promotion. You didn't, come on, you didn't marry that dude that you was dating. Come on, somebody, all right? Like, I'm just telling you really quick, I wonder how long it's been since you praised God for a closed door. And anybody feel like sometimes you're in the hallway? Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're in the hallway, man, there's no doors open anywhere. What am I supposed to do? Anybody feel like you don't know what's right in front of you? Anybody feel like the door of your future plans is shut? Well, this is what I got to remind you today. Until God opens the next door, I came to remind somebody, just praise him in the hallway. Just praise him in the middle of what you're going through. Come on, can we take five seconds right now in the middle of the sermon today to give Jesus all the glory and honor and praise for doors that were closed for doors that may have been what we wanted, but he closed the door for open doors that we've been able to walk through. Come on. If, if God closes a door, nobody can open it. But if God opens the door, baby, you better walk through it. Like, we better walk through it. And I, I not only think that he's trying to tell a church and a people right here in Revelation about an open door of an opportunity or an open door of influence, but this is an open door of, hey, you can be obedient in the middle of this. And that word obedience is not going to be up on the screen, but I want you to write it down. Obedience unlocks certain things in our life. I want you to see that, that obedience is often, again, if anybody played sports back in the day or you got a job or, or, or even in your house, like obedience is one of those things. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about? That, parent, that kiddos don't, don't understand sometimes this idea of obedience, like being obeying your parents, right? Maybe it's, it's in a, in a, on a sports team and you got to listen to your coaches. You're to be obedient. And when you do that, guess what happens when you're obedient to do what the coach asks you to do, put in the work that the coach is asking you to put in, that guess what? That unlocks some things in your life. You know what I'm talking about? Like that happens. And again, obedience is often a requirement for that. But obedience, what it does is unlocks blessing. What I'm reminded of is that he is reminding a church that feels marginalized, oppressed, pushed down, that you have influence, listen to me, not because you are so influential, but because I've opened a door for you. That's what I got to thinking when I read that. Like, you, you are where you are, not because of how great you are, how smart you are, how strategic you might be. No, but because I've been faithful, God is saying, because I've been good, because I've opened the door for opportunity for you that no man can shut. And I got to thinking about our church, and I got to just looking around and thinking about the last four and a half years uh, as, a, as a church. And again, our opportunities that we've been able to do, it's not because we're so strategic. Like we're, when we started in a middle school, it's not because we had influence. It's not because of the fact that, okay, we had some money in the bank that we to start this thing. It's not that we were so awesome and so strategic. No, no, no. But rather because God saw us fit to steward what he had given us and to take him at his word. And again, I want us to understand it's not because of us. It's not because of what we have done. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of what he has done. I, I know all the things that you do. I've opened a door for you that no one else can close and you have little strength. Come on, anybody walk in this place today maybe with a little strength? And I know you're here. I know you may have walked in this place and you feel like, man, I'm, I'm tired. I'm ready to give up. I don't have any strength. I don't have what it takes. Good. You know why? Because that's the exact person God is looking for when he's looking for somebody to use. My thing is, is again, you have little strength. I, I know that. 
But I have opened a door for you that nobody can close. And, and watch this. Even when you have little strength, what can you do? If you don't have a lot of strength, you know what you can still do? Obey. You can still be obedient. And I pray that God would have the same thing to say as he did in Revelation chapter 3. You got little strength, yet you obeyed my word, did not deny me. I would pray that God would say the same thing to Purpose Church in 2023. That you have obeyed my word, that you didn't deny me, that you haven't hidden your faith, you hadn't kept it quiet, you have, you have obeyed me and kept going even when it might have been easier to give up. And this is what I know, and I want you to write this down. God has big opportunities for those with little strength who are willing to obey. So God has big opportunities for those with little strength who are willing to obey. Like Faith is not about getting what we've asked for. It's about keeping what he's asked of us. See, we don't, we don't always get to choose what opportunities that are out in front of us. But we do get the choice of whether or not we're going to obey him and take him at his word. And I'm encouraging you today to choose to walk into the path that God has called you. God, I don't understand what you've asked me to do. I don't understand why this door was shut or why this door was open. I, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's nerve-wracking. It takes discipline. It takes time. But I came to remind somebody today that yours and my job is obedience. God's job is outcome. So our job is just to be obedient. What if we applied this to every area of our life, every relationship, our marriage, our money, our time, our weeks, sharing my faith, Jesus, if you've asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. Like I know you've called me to it. I, I know I don't have all the strength. I know I don't have all the answers, but I'll step across the line of comfortability and say yes to do whatever it is you're asking me to do. What if we had a church full of people that did that? What if we had a church full of people, 650, 700 people on a, in a summer, walk out of this place saying, you know what, I'm going to listen to Jesus, I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to be obedient even if it hurts. I'm going to be obedient if it makes my life a little bit harder, not as convenient. I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to trust God for the outcome. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to take him at his word. I wasn't going to sing that right there, but I wanted to. That's what we're going to do. Let's be people that do that. And watch what he says. Look, I'll force those who belong to Satan's synagogue. Right? Satan's synagogue. Well, wow, wow, that's pretty strong language. Yeah, there were some people then that would choose to, to like really belong to Satan's synagogue. But what Jesus is really saying is that if there's any of you that opposed me, guess what? Then that's really where you are, you're belonging. Watch what Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 says. This is what he says. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And he says this, you are either for Jesus or you're against Jesus. Am I not choosing? Listen to me. You're actually choosing. And I want to just challenge you with that. Jesus is saying that there's really no difference between those that say they belong to Satan's synagogue and those who would say, I really haven't given much thought when it comes to this whole Jesus thing. Jesus made it clear that he is the door and that if anybody wants to be saved, listen to me, it is by him and through him. And he goes on to say in, in, at the end of that verse, those liars who, who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow at your feet, they'll acknowledge that you are the ones that I love. Come on, somebody. Anybody thankful for a little holy vindication every now and then? Come on, somebody, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, okay, I want to get back at them, but guess what? No, no, no. The battle belongs to the Lord. 
that the battle belongs to him. And Jesus is saying that again, hey, hey, that we have a that we have a God that is fighting for us. That we have a God who says, I love you and I care about you, and I know your past, and I know your present, and yet I'm still was willing to die for you. You know why? Because I love you. What is love? That's the title of today's message. I need to tell you at the first today. What is love, right? Well, the good news of the gospel is that it answers that question that we love each other because he first loved us. Dustin, you don't know what I've done. He loves you. Dustin, you you don't get it. I've been really, really bad. Guess what? He loves you. Dustin, you don't know where I've been. He loves you. And I've asked the guys that this is something that got brought up at our planning meeting this last year or this last month. And as we were talking through that, this song came to Jake's heart. And I wanted it to be sung over you today to let you know that I don't know what you walked in here with. Maybe you have little strength. Maybe you tried to earn it on your own. But that Jesus' love is so much better than anything else that we've ever tried. His love is so much better than anything else that you may have walked in here thinking would satisfy you, but that he loves you and he's called you. And so right where you're at, I I, I don't want anybody moving around. If y'all could just bring the house lights down a little bit. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Our team is going to sing this over you today. And I just want to just encourage you with this today, with this song, that you are the ones that he loves. He came after you. He died for you. That he loves you and wants to spend eternity with you the one I love. Maybe you're in this room and you've never experienced that love before. Maybe you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus. Today is that day. Today is the day that you can say yes to a relationship with Christ. So maybe you didn't know that. I just That's why I love that about that song. It's so simple, yet it is so profound in the fact that you are the one that he loved. He would go to the cross for you and me again just for a chance at a relationship with you and me. So if you're in this place and you've never made a profession of faith, you've never said yes to that love that Jesus gave his life for you, that Jesus gave his life for me, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening on the podcast, you've never given your life to Jesus, today's that day. You're here for a reason. Maybe you have, today you didn't even think you were coming to church, but there was a reason you're here, and it's to give your life to Jesus this place and you want to do that today. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. So maybe you're here and you need to confess Jesus and you need to believe in your heart that Jesus was risen from the dead after he was crucified and and put on a cross. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in something today. It doesn't have to be word for word, but I want you to mean it in your heart. Would you say something like this? Dear Jesus, would you save me today? I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you gave your life for me. And I put my faith and trust in you today. Be the Lord of my life. Save me in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here and you just prayed that. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. I'd love to know that you just prayed that. If you're in this place and say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. I just confessed Jesus. I just believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, hey, I just confessed Jesus. I just asked Jesus to come in my life. Okay, I see your hand. Awesome. Put it down. Everybody else say, hey, that's me. Everybody else say, hey, that's me. Whether it was one or a hundred, one person coming into the, the family of God today, and 
just acknowledging, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. So here's what I'm asking everybody to do. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you just raised your hand to say, yes, I, want, I just gave my life to Jesus today, I want you to look up here at me. Everybody else, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Really quick. Awesome. Awesome. I just want to tell you, you just made the best decision of your life. It's not a better decision that you'll make. And I want to let you know that we want to know that decision. So I'm going to ask you on that QR code that's right there in front of you, would you take the, the, the your phone, all you got to do is point your camera at that, and, and would you scroll down to the bottom and say, today I said yes to Jesus. That's one way you can let us know. Another way is at connect corner you can let somebody know even after the experience we dismiss we'll be down here waiting for you if you just made that decision to follow Jesus I want you to tell somebody and we want to know about it we want to know that decision so that we can help you follow up with you and give you a Bible let you know that you're loved and God has a plan for you and uh, we're so excited for you so why don't we do this purpose church can we stand to our feet can we raise our heads can we give Jesus a big ovation of worship in this place for salvation meeting us in this room